Relationship Insights with Carrie Abbott, sponsored by the Legacy Institute, whose vision is to bring the light of God's truth with grace to all areas impacting your relationships. Every day on Relationship Insights, you'll hear from some of the nation's leading experts on today's hottest topics, from sexuality in the family to politics and education. Now here's your host of Relationship Insights, Carrie Abbott. So good to be with you. What a fun conversation we started yesterday with author Dennis Allen. He has served as the CEO in both national and international business, and that really comes through in the book that we started talking about yesterday, The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. A little more on the background, his business spanning distribution, manufacturing technology, electronic software, building materials, environmental services, oil and gas. He'd be a fun one at a dinner party because he would know what to talk about. And he's also been a member and served in leadership in mega churches, mid-sized churches, and startup churches, elder, deacon, teacher. In other words, he's been in leadership, and he understands. And his leadership DNA comes through every part of this book, and it challenges you to think, wait a second, we do need to rethink discipleship. I want to welcome Dennis back. Dennis, it was so fun to start this conversation with you yesterday about discipleship. It takes a lot of courage for you to tell the church in a loving way as a brother who's been involved for so many years, hey friends, we need to rethink the discipleship programs or ideas or mission that we have because it's not working. People are walking away from the church in droves. What a delight to be with another leader like you, Carrie. Well, thank you very much. I'm holding this fantastic book here. And as those of you who are in our listening community know, I read these books. They don't make it to the show unless I read them because I want to respect my guest. I also want to learn and grow. None of us has all the answers. Dennis, I'm so grateful for the fact that you went back into church history and tradition and said, listen, there's things that we've been doing for a long time that are making pastors' jobs more difficult, making leaders' jobs more difficult, and and really causing a lot of uh, people to become either consumers or saying, hey, you know, those pros need to do it. I'm not trained. Where did they get that idea that they're not that they're not enough to be able to decide? somebody else we took a run at six causes that we think are integral to the problem that we're facing in discipleship today so as an example yesterday's show we talked about optional lordship where mm-hmm. i love getting saved by jesus and sam Alberry would say you know i really like being a fan of jesus but the lord <laughs> part not so much right right you know that's one and that came out of the third century when you think about the persecutions that the christians were undergoing before uh, constantine took over Another one, really interesting, that's a cause to, to making disciples run quiet, run scared today, uh, behave as if they don't have much interest in church, sit in the pews passively, or just kind of skate. Another one of those is this thing that we call catch and release Christianity. And that one, again, leaders, is this issue that we're really good about driving forward the Lausanne Conference's idea on salvation. We want people to get saved. Right. But what happens is we begin to collapse. We say, here's a Bible, get to be a member. We hope it works great for you. It's a little bit like creating spiritual orphans and hoping that we can drop them off on the roadside and everything goes great. Hmm. Okay, that's a big one because... There's another one that we, we enjoy talking about, um, which we we felt like the there were several that was so much fun to talk about, but we, we picked up a thing called clerical distancing out of the fourth century, which is that there is a professional class. They get to go in the pulpit, they do the heavy lifting, they do the baptisms, the burials, they do the weddings, and the rest of us, 
your job is to be quiet, mm-hmm. stop cleaning the offering plate, and then go home. Right, right. That's a that's a big one. That's a big one because, yeah, that's a big one because you just as a, an example here, you've got Peter Drucker, who you quote a couple times. No institution can possibly survive if it needs geniuses or supermen to manage it. It must be organized in such a way as to be able to get along under a leadership composed of average human beings, which I think is really appropriate for the conversation we're having because the role in, in the body of Christ of the pastor and the leader is an important role, but it's not the only one that's supposed to be functioning in the church when it comes to discipleship, right? We've trained both sides of this equation to think that the idea of clericalism, that it's the professional class, is the exact right way to go. And on the one hand, we've got an awful lot of pastors who think, you folks need to stay quiet and listen to me. But even more so, we've got a lot of people in pews saying, we hired you guys, you do the heavy lifting, Mm -hmm. I do the listening, and I'm going home. Right, right. Well, and this, again, you give great examples all the way back in church history on each of these traditions, which is why I enjoyed the book, because I love history, and it, it made sense, because you think, how did these ideas come about? And we have to look back, and then now we have to look at present day and say, okay, so we have we have sort of commercialized the church. We now have video, and of course, online church is more popular than ever, given the recent COVID debacles that we went through. And so now how do we get people back into that humble place of saying, listen, you don't need to be in a big church. You need to be in a church that's functioning, where the pastor knows your name, where you know somebody else sitting there, you bring a friend with you, and you're part of this and not just there for the show, right? Right. And I appreciate the fact that you've made really plain to people that this is in no way a critique of the particular size of a church, but what it absolutely is, is a statement to say that it is very complicated to hope that by 100, 1,000, or 10,000 people showing up in an auditorium or catching you digitally online are going to turn into robust disciples. That's a little bit like saying, I'm going to take my vitamins. I don't need to eat. I don't Mm. need that day-to-day walk alongside of another person who really can look through my soul, walk with me in life. We can't live that way, but we've taught ourselves that programs, gatherings, seminars, sermons, that's all we really need. That's a big miss in biblical discipleship. Okay, that's a big issue right there. So let's pause for a moment because we want people to be getting educated. We want them to understand that they need to be part of worship. There is basically a disciple. If we were to talk about it, and we started describing it yesterday. A true disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you can tell us, give us just, you know, the 10,000-foot description because this book goes into all kinds of nuances. But a, a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, a true disciple does what? Yeah, so uh, don't anybody take this as a punch list, which if I do, I am good, I am done. Right, right. But having said that, here are some of the attributes, right, which is I am not only looking to Jesus Christ to lift off broken, wretched fallenness of my own life, but what I'm also doing is I am in, I'm actively pursuing and following Jesus I am following him. Now, what I, what I mean by that is, it's not my resume, oh, I did this, oh, I did that. It's my active, day-to-day, moment-by-moment pursuit of Christ, surrendering off my own self-agenda, all the garbage and junk that my wife could tell you an awful lot about in my life, 
And as I look at this, I'm saying that setting that aside, changing my muscle memory spiritually, where I'm no longer thinking that road rage is my first reflex when I don't like the guy in front mm-hmm. of me doing what he just did, or even if it becomes the ideas of fighting some of the issues you've raised up, which is where lust and where sensuality and all the challenges and problems that face us in a digitally saturated world go, a disciple is shedding that, pursuing Christ, and this is one point that I think, again, is missing from that beautiful, bountiful plate Christ gave us. It's missing today. We keep thinking today, discipleship is a solo endeavor. I'm a lone wolf, need nothing from nobody. I don't need nobody else in my life, except a sermon once in a while. Right, right. Or a podcast now, because people, a lot of people are getting preached at by their favorite podcast. In fact, somebody uh, that I respect greatly who's younger than me, and I happen to have uh, the joy of speaking into her life, she said, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, their preacher is the podcast that they listen to most. I thought, you know, it's true. If that's the voice you're listening to most, you are being educated and trained up by that particular podcast, which is not a bad thing. But going back to what discipleship truly is, it's relationship. And, and that would be the key question here. All of those other attributes, those other things you can gain now from a digital world, from movies and all the things that inspire you and worship and music, all really wonderful. But who are you relating to in your life? What relationships can you count to say that person is mentoring me or really helping me understand the walk of following Christ and I'm helping this next person? Is that the picture you're after here? Is that what ultimately you wish the church understood? is desperately what we want leaders to think about changing the mental cultural state of the church to think about and i I guess i would toss a question back at you carrie i I talked a little bit about wingmen in the book did that make any it did yes it did the wingmen um and you know for those who care about the flying thing any of the examples that you gave in here i felt were so helpful I'll tell you this about this book, Dennis, as a leader and someone who loves the church, and I'm a huge fan of pastors and other leaders, and I've seen the sacrifice of ministry that many have have given. I know that many pastors wish that the people in their church would get this as well. And what I want to leave us before we go to break is all the way through the book, you, you show the problem. You say, here's where things are not working in discipleship, and here's where some traditions are in the way. But you also talk about the beautiful way that we can create a greenhouse, a culture, where true life and discipleship can happen. We're going to get there. I know that's what you all want. We're talking to Dennis Allen about this great book, The Disciple Dilemma. We'll be right back. Legacies Homosexuality and Gender Identity Resource, designed for personal learning and teaching, is winsome and effective. The study is built on a vast biblical foundation and includes the most current research available on gender issues, saving you hundreds of hours of research. Homosexuality and gender identity also includes personal stories of struggles and redemption, current legal cases impacted by homosexuality and same-sex marriage, and transgender challenges all across the nation. For those who want to teach others, this study includes a seven-lesson teaching plan, including handouts, PowerPoint, six audio segments, and eight videos helping you deliver truth with grace to any audience of teens through adults. Homosexuality and gender identity is a resource every parent, pastor, teacher, and leader needs to own. To get your homosexuality and gender identity resource, go to thelegacyinstitute.com or call 425-485-5346. 
Will you consider a special gift to our mission at the Legacy Institute? As you know, our team produces this radio show and podcast with the generous support of friends like you. I want to personally thank those of you who've been incredible partners in this ministry. The Legacy Institute is also leading the way in a new groundbreaking training platform for pastors to equip them to speak boldly on all the hot button issues of our day that we tackle regularly on our radio show. This Legacy Classroom is a unique collaboration with many organizations you know and trust and is being developed right now. Friends, with your support, this training will reach pastors worldwide, and our goal is to make this free to every pastor so the church can stand up and speak with one voice. Join me in giving to Legacy right now by going to thelegacyinstitute.com to make your donation or call 425-485-5346. That's thelegacyinstitute.com, and thank you so much for your generosity. And now, back to more Relationship Insights with Carrie Abbott. We're talking to author and leader Dennis Allen. Dennis, with your vast years of helping businesses rethink or or turn around, go a different direction, how how was that received in the business world? Because that's really what you're calling for here in this book, The Disciple Dilemma. It's always interesting to step into an organization of any type, whether it's business or church. But in the business world, my experience has always been sort of two fundamental reactions. One, I have no idea what you're complaining about. Everything is just fine with us. Now that business down the street, they've got a lot of problems, but we're perfectly fine. Leave us alone. Let us go back to whatever it was we weren't doing. The other script that you find that's so interesting is we see the bridges out and we're just mashing on the gas harder. You know, more of the same will get us something completely different. That is so common in struggling Mm -hmm. businesses, those two scripts. So is the response the same in the church, in your experience? I'm going to start with this (laughs) statement, right? Uh, Instead of letting you trap me into a real quick binary on that one. Um, I, I would say that largely Christianity does not like change. And so whatever is traditional feels good, is good, had to be good. My preacher said it was good 20 years ago. It's fine. Keep it the same. Don't rock the boat. These other people were just some sort of secondary fall-offs. It'll all work itself out. Both in business and in Christianity, we see the trend saying, no, they don't, they don't just work themselves out. This stuff is going to get deeper tighter wound, more difficult as we go forward. Right. And you list here cultural symptoms facing discipleship today that you start with in chapter one, um, but you go into some more detail. Absolute truth does not exist for 40% of Christians. I'm just going to read a couple of these. 92% of Christians do not believe sharing their faith is important. 65% of Christians say living out their faith is better than talking about it. 65% of the U.S. population, as I mentioned earlier, um, say that they are Christian, but only part of them attend church. Looking down the list here, 74% of Christians say that they're satisfied or almost where they want to be spiritually. 65% of congregations think discipling at their church is good, but only 1% of pastors believe that same statement. Who's right there? <laughs> yeah, if you take a look at these symptoms, I think it screams out, we've got a real problem. But the real, the real trick, when you think about the, the who's right side of this, is this. If you go after the symptoms, right, what you're doing right. is you're blowing your nose when you have a cold. Now, that makes you feel better, but mm. it doesn't get rid of the cold. Mm-hmm. And so 
we've got a lot of people who are chasing the symptoms. Are the pastors right or are the people in the congregation right? Well, it's of both and in this case. I don't mean to sound like I'm going Hindu on you, but I'm really saying that this, this construct is about the fact that our problem is us. It's an 1,800-year-old us, and the path forward out of this is both biblical and very hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, especially as you you made the case here that something needs to change. You looked at church tradition, you looked at business models, and I'll, I'll tell you something. Having been in the church a long time myself, I have wondered how years ago it's there was this trend where the church said, "Hey, no, let's do let's do church like businesses do it, and let's get an executive pastor, and let's get let's get a setup here, and numbers matter, and you know, and it felt very you could feel the change." I don't think it's been a great idea. That's just my personal opinion, because a lot of it has to do with, um, well, numbers are here, so we must be doing okay. But I think the real question, and that's okay. If numbers are there, if there's a lot of disciples hanging out together, I'm all in. But I'm not seeing the depth that I, and a lot of pastors of big churches have noticed this as well. What are your thoughts about that? I would say to church leaders, if you're, issue is job security, brand development, and penetrating a market, forget the book. Just go do something else. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to have a conversation, I think, about the symptoms that we see, they're very obvious to a lot of us. If you see the causes that are out there, this begins to say to us a return to a biblical model, to rebuilding our culture. In other words, getting the brackish soil that is plaguing discipleship today straightened out so that the, the young shoots and the, the plants can flourish and develop in this. And I'm talking about our kids, our grandkids, and a lot of us so that we can flourish in the soil of true biblical discipleship. I love that garden analogy there. And the 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 fact is, and interestingly, that's God uses the garden often. He started that way. So I'm saying, let's go back to the dirt as well. Make it life-giving. You know, dirt without life in it, doesn't nothing grows. So just having a building, having a place... If you don't have life in the soil, if you don't have God's life infused through believers who really know him and know how to pray for a friend and know how to come alongside during pain and know how to suffer with someone and know how to do life with them, then again, these are just theories or things people agree with morally and say, yes, those are goods. And and, and I think it's okay to say, yeah, Christian virtues are good. But discipleship requires helping someone else go through it with the eyes of Christ and the knowledge and wisdom of the Holy Spirit to get not only through life, but to flourish so others might see when you go to your job in whatever industry you're in or whatever seven mountains, if you want to use that language, or wherever you want to be an influencer, you need to be a true disciple. And if you are a true disciple, Dennis, let me know if you agree with this, but you're going to be noticeable in some ways that'll be uncomfortable. You're going to be weird, and people want to know what is the reason. <laughs> well, that's a selling point. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> salt and light and weird. We're adding weird to it. Well, the fact is, if you can go in and no one knows you're a believer and you've been there ten years, something's probably not quite right because you will have needed to at least raise your hand once or twice to say, "Could you not uh, maybe do that around me?" I remember when I got a job at Oppenheimer and they were bringing a stripper in. They're like, "Get Carrie out of here!" I fresh from Bible school, so that was awkward and uncomfortable. Uh-huh. But they knew they knew somehow that i would not be a candidate for that particular activity and i was not mean to people but i let them know yeah i do have some boundaries here right right if you are over 15 years of old in other words you'll qualify for a learner's permit and you've been a believer for more than a year you are implicated in what we're talking about today Mm -hmm. and 
I would say this, especially for those of you who are in formal leadership positions. And by the way, Carrie Abbott, I would like for you to just respond to this statement for a moment. I don't want any women's eyes blazing ever when we use the term leaders thinking, oh, that's just what the guys do thing, right, Carrie? Right, right. No, 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 no. That's right. No, uh, women are leaders, and they're fabulous leaders, by the way. <laughs> just saying. Well, in this regard, leaders, most of the people in your church, 90-plus percent, have no idea what Carrie just said, which is, I should be walking alongside someone else. They really don't understand that. And... They're afraid to do it. Think about this for a minute, just if you're a listener to this beautiful show that Carrie's got. If Carrie Abbott walked up to you and she said, hey, Jane, I'm looking over here at uh, Lucy, and I want you to walk alongside her for two years. Man, if she did that to me, I'd be all in. I'd be like, I'm, I am in for the race. I'm going <laughs> for this. But nobody's ever told me that directly, mm. and nobody's ever helped me build that up. Leaders, right. that's part of the brackish soil that we're fighting. Oh, that's so good. It's so simple. We're taking away the pros, and, and, and you don't have to be the expert. Yes, we want you trained theologically. Yes, Pastor, I want you to be the best trained. I want the pastor to wash everyone with the word or those who are in leadership in a church. Absolutely. But everyone sitting there, you too can know the word of God, and you can know he who saved you directly. This is the, this is the big lie from our church history that no, only, only certain people can baptize, only certain people can pray. Only certain people get to read the Bible. Thankfully, that turned away, and we had printing presses and, you know, other things happen. But the enemy of our souls has always tried to keep the masses away from the truth. And if, and if you know Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are ready to disciple once you have a little, a few of these things under your belt, which is why you want to get this book, because you want to understand true discipleship. But for leaders who are creating the greenhouses, creating the culture in the church, the church is going to change with or without your permission. Right now, we are in one of those, I, I think, an inflection point. I think we are, we are definitely experiencing something, Dennis, uh, with or without our permission, that we need to make changes, right? We are becoming as irrelevant as all the other social causes mm. and systems and political systems in the world, and that's no salt and that's no light. Wow, that's a strong statement, isn't it? I would just I would just plead with people, especially leaders. We have to reform our culture. It doesn't mean destroying your buildings and walking away from your church, but we have to reform our culture. We drifted and we didn't notice the drift. Please look at the biblical culture of discipleship. Wow. There's so many thoughts I have. Uh, you know, we talked about you're going to stand out if you're a disciple. You're going to be weird. Well, listen, the early church stood out, and that's people were begging to get in. I mean, when you, when you tell everybody, oh, yeah, everybody's welcome, you know, we shouldn't be doing that. We should say, no, it's pretty costly. You show up here, you're going to might be uncomfortable. Listen, you'll be more respected if you tell somebody that than if you just say, hey, come on in. It won't even bother you. I'm like, well, if I went to any nutrition class, I'd feel a little guilty at times, right? I mean, we'd all go, crud, I got to give that up, right? Or something. We're so worried about pleasing people. We have to be more worried about pleasing God. This book, The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship, it's going to stretch you. You're going to love it. Now, listen, you can go to thedisciplesdilemma.com. And, and learn more about Dennis, learn more about the book, the podcast, resources. Dennis Allen, what a joy to meet you and get to have you on the show. We are so honored that you would take the time to write this book. With all of your vast wisdom and knowledge, we're grateful for the sacrifice and the work you've done here for the church. 
Carrie, thank you for the ministry that you are employing into the gates of hell. Well, thanks. No one's told me that before. <laughs> Happy to do it, Dennis. Listen, thedisciple-dilemma.com. And, you know, I hope you understand, both Dennis and I love the church. It takes a lot of brave uh, time and energy on his part to ask the questions he's asked. He's put the time in. Those of you who are really good leaders, that won't bother you. You're used to the tension of change. So I want to encourage you, get this book, get it for your leaders, talk about it. And I say reach out to Dennis as well. I'm sure he'd be happy to hear from you. It's so good to be together. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Relationship Insights with Carrie Abbott, sponsored by the Legacy Institute. If you'd like to listen again to today's program or any of the previous episodes, simply go to thelegacyinstitute.com, where you'll be able to access resources to help you, your family, or church become better equipped to live in agreement with your divine design. And please remember that Relationship Insights is funded by you, our listeners. If you'd like to stand with Carrie and the Legacy Institute, your gifts are needed and appreciated, and of course, are tax deductible. Donate today on our website, thelegacyinstitute.com, or by calling 425-485-5346. That's thelegacyinstitute.com or by calling 425-485-5346. Thanks again for being with us today. Please join Carrie again next time for another edition of Relationship Insights.